This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen, amen. I feel a, a worshipful spirit in this place tonight. And, and it's just amazing. And I know God's going to continue to do something great. And So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be a little bit short tonight because I want to give... Uh, a moment for maybe an altar call or something. I just feel like God wants to do something tonight. But uh, before I do get into my actual message, uh, some of you may know uh, Pastor Ron Lyles. Some of you may not. Um, but he is a friend of the Promise Center. He's a, a dear family and friend of, of, of Pastor and uh, Chad and Pastor Heidi. And uh, we love him. And, and uh, honestly, our heart breaks for him today. Yesterday, his daughter... Uh, his daughter passed away, and so uh, we are praying for them, and uh, we, we dearly, dearly love Pastor Ron and his family. He's, he's just one of the most humble, wonderful men I've ever met uh, in my entire life. We, we actually took this picture last year, or the, the last time he came here, and uh, actually when, when I got my ministerial license, he was the one who sponsored me to get it, and uh, so we, we love him, and they're just, again, amazing people. We just ask for your prayers for him and his family tonight, um, and uh, I just pray that the peace of God would be upon them, so we love them greatly. Amen? Amen. Amen. I, uh, I want to take your attention real quick to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12. I don't know what that is. Is that me? Well, I don't want it to keep happening, so. I don't want to blow someone's ear out. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter, or I like the KJV where it says the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I, I just want to speak again for a few minutes tonight because I, I feel like uh, this word is for somebody besides just me tonight. And uh, I think God wants to help someone. Um, has anybody here ever felt stuck in your life? Amen. Well, praise God. Then it's for more than just one other person. Uh, I want to talk tonight about, uh, about getting unstuck um, because I know that a lot of times we can find ourselves in a place where we just, we, 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 we can't go forward and we can't go backward and we can't go either side and we just feel like we're trapped and stuck right where we're at. And uh, I believe that God has something for us, for us tonight, amen? So can we just pray one more time and, and just pray that, that God would, would take these words and take the rest of the service and do what he wants to do, amen? Father, we love you tonight and we thank you. And uh, I just pray, I, I know you're already here, God. I can feel you. I can see you moving in this place. And I just, uh, I ask that you would take full control of these, these words and these next few minutes and this service, God. And that you would do what you want to do, God. This is yours. We give it to you. It's yours from the get-go. And so uh, we ask that you just finish tonight what you started. Lord, I pray for Pastor Ron and his family tonight. And that your peace would come over them, Lord. And that you would be with them in this time, um, in this time of pain, God. And and just, just be with them, Lord, where they're at right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen, amen. So I just want to talk about this Hebrews 12, and it's funny that Kate mentioned Hebrews 11 because this is kind of the, uh, this is right after Hebrews 11. Obviously, it's 11 and then 12. And in, in, in chapter 11, it's the, famous, it's the famous faith chapter where it talks about all the great people of faith. It talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these wonderful people who have done wonderful things for God and, and men who had great faith and men who, who led uh, nations and men who, who saw miracles and performed miracles and just all this stuff going on in their lives. Just I mean, you go back and, and, and there aren't many people who haven't heard of Abraham and there aren't many people who haven't heard of Moses and all these different people. And then you go back, actually, to chapter, uh, chapter 11, which is interesting. Verse 39 of chapter 11 says this. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I'm just going to pause there. These men did great things for God. They all, signs, miracles, and wonders, and all these great things. And they were commended for their faith in God, but none of them received what had been promised. And I think a lot of us find ourselves stuck in life because we look at where our lives are and it doesn't always exactly match up to what we think they should be or where we think they should be or how we think they should be. We say, man, I thought by this age, I would have done so much more with my life. I would have thought by this age, I would have been married and had kids. I thought by this age, I would have had a degree. By this age, I would have had a house. And, and, and the list goes on. And my life looks so much more different than how I originally imagined it. And sometimes we're in this place where we're like, man, so where do I go from here? How do I get out of this place? This isn't what I imagined for my life. I'm not exactly where I want to be. But how do I get there? What do I do to get out of this slump, out of this mess? How do I get out of this? And there's a real simple answer, and I'm going to give you a real simple answer tonight. Uh, and there's obviously a lot more to it, but I just want to give you a simple answer because it's, it's in the Scripture. And again, all of us deal with this sense at some point in time of, man, I just, I'm just not where I should be. I'm just not where I want to be. What, what went wrong? At what point did I miss, like, the turnoff? At what point, like, did, did it, was it in front of me and I missed it? Or did I, did I lose the opportunity at some point? And now I'm in this place and I'm just like, what do I do? Where do I go? How did I end up here? Anybody ever felt this way besides me? Besides me? Amen. We just find ourselves stuck. And I was thinking about this and I was reading all these things, and I'm reading Hebrews 11, and I'm reading Hebrews 12, and, and the author's talking about faith, and then, and then he, he goes to 12, and he says, therefore, we're surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, and he's talking about all the people in chapter 11, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily, I like it, he says, the sin that so easily entangles us, or traps us, or wraps us around, and we can no longer move, our feet are tied, our hands are tied, and there's nothing that I can do. He says, let us just throw that off. Let's, let's get out of that tangled mess. You know, I, I, uh, I do a lot of fishing. I love fishing. It's like, it's more than a hobby. You can ask my wife. I love fishing. Love it. And I, I, when I go with me, I, I kid you not, I take, if I go fishing, I'm like a serious fisherman. I take like five rods with me when I go fishing, right? It's like a serious thing. Kind of an issue now. But... Uh, but every once in a while, I find myself in this tangled mess. 
And it's usually before I even start fishing. Like, I, I, I open the trunks of my car, and, and I'm trying to take them out, and my rods are already, like, super tangled. I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, I don't even understand how this happens. Like, they're all nicely tied up and stuff. How do they get all tangled up? I don't get it. And then you got to spend all that time trying to untangle. And there's times when I just, I got to cut. So I'm like, forget it. I'm about to lose my mind. Just going to cut it and retie it and be done with it because I don't want to have to deal with it. And sometimes we find ourselves in this tangled mess like, I don't even know how this happened. I was just walking along. I was just living my life. And boom, my, my feet are trapped. And I'm just, I'm there. And I'm on the ground. And I, where do I go? How do I get out of this? In this tangled, tangled mess. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And this is really where it is. I'm going to give you the, the answer quickly. And then I'm going to go into it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, what's, what's interesting is I, I, I see these men who did all these things and, and they didn't receive the promise, which is Jesus. The whole point is Jesus. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. And the promise was Jesus. Abraham did receive that promise of having a son and all this. But the ultimate promise was Jesus and they weren't around to see Jesus. Thank God we have Jesus. It says fixing our eyes on Jesus, and, and I felt the Lord, I was, I was teaching this in our Spanish Bible study and a few weeks back, and, and I said, well, what are, what are you focused on today? What are you looking at today? What are your eyes fixed on today? Because a lot of times we get stuck because we're so focused on the lack of. A lot of times we're stuck because we're so focused on what has not come to pass and what hasn't happened and the house we don't have and the family we don't have and the job we don't have and the paycheck we don't have. And we're so focused on the negative aspect of life that we can't see Jesus standing right in front of us. And sometimes we're so focused on what already has happened and we can't find ourselves even almost coming to the present, much less the future. And one thing we have to know is that our best days are not behind us. They are still ahead of us. Your best days are still ahead of you. They are not behind you. The glory days have not come and gone. Gosh, I hear that so much. Man, I remember those days. We were on fire. We were this. I was this. I used to so much. In fact, last night we were talking about it. Somebody said something about it in, uh, in, in, in again, Spanish Bible study. And we were talking said, man, I remember when I used to, you know, fast for like a week and all that, and that's great, and we ought to, we ought to do all that stuff. And, and I thought to myself, like, man, if I could just go back to the days when I could shut myself in and pray for like three, four hours, but I got kids. <laughs> there is no possibility of that happening, ever. They just do not leave you alone. If anybody has kids, you know what I'm talking about. And I got young, young kids, right? Especially my wife. My wife can't even use a restroom without them bugging her. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, man, you know, for a while I struggled with this. Like, God, well, well, am I just not as good as I was because I no longer pray as long as I used to and all this? And he said, you know what? Seasons change. Circumstances and situations change. He said, but the same God I was in your four-hour prayer is the same God I am in your 20, 30-minute prayer. I'm the same God. I still do the same things. I still speak the same things. I'm the same. Your situation may change, but I'm still there. 
Amen? Amen? I think that helps somebody, I hope. I'm still the same God. I'm still here, still standing right in front of you. Four hours or 30 minutes or whatever you allot for God. Still there. Still loves you the same. He doesn't love you any less because you prayed less. Right? And thank God for that. That we're not justified by our actions and the things that we do and how well we perform. So, so we find ourselves in this place where we're like, man, where do I go from here? And we're so focused. And I know I'm one of those. I'm, I'm so focused sometimes on, on what didn't go right that I, I can't even think about what did go right. There was, there was one time when we were still having our Spanish services on, on a regular Sunday basis. And, and I walked in and there were a lot less people than I thought there should be. I remember walking in just kind of, and I'm human and I'm, I'm be honest, I was a little discouraged. And uh, I stood at the back doors over there and I looked in as, as we were doing worship, which I should have been in worship, but I was standing back there. And I looked and I said, man, God, what's What's going on? And he said, even, even if there were only five people in there, would you still worship me? Even if it doesn't turn out the way you think it should turn out, do you still think I'm worthy? And I was like, oh, I got to get in there. I got to worship. I got to repent, like, right now. And again, we, we, we're, so, we're so focused on Man, it, it, didn't, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm still standing right here. I am still the author and the finisher of your faith. I started this in you, and I'm going to finish it. There's a story in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings of a, a woman, a Shunammite woman. It's a very, to some, it's a very well-known story. She loved God. She loved the man of God, the, the prophet, the, the preacher. And every time he'd come by her town, she would, she would invite him in, him and his, his assistant, to, to, to eat and, and stay and stuff. And so one day she tells her husband, she's like, you know what, I want to do something extra special for these guys. I want to build them a special room. So when they come by, they have a place to lay their heads. I just want to do something real nice for them. She said, okay. So they built the room, and the next time the prophet or the preacher, Elisha, came, she said, hey, I, I built you a room. Would you stay here? So they stay there, and, and, and they're just blown away by her kindness and her hospitality and everything. And uh, he says, you know, you've been so kind to us. Is there anything that I can do for you? Do you want me to put in a good word for you with the king or the, 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 the commander of the army? Anything you want? She's like, no, I'm good. Don't need nothing. I'm good. He says, man, you know, I don't want to leave it this way. And he asks his assistant, he says, what do you think she needs? He says, you know what? I don't, I don't see any children. Her husband's kind of old. She's a little bit younger, but her husband's kind of old. And I don't see any kids. He says, Okay. Calls her back in. She's standing there. He says, by this time next year, you'll be holding a son in your arms. And she looks at him. She's like, don't lie to me. We have been trying for a long time, and it has never happened. Don't, don't bring my hopes up for nothing. Sure enough, as Elisha said, a year later, she had a son. The son grew up. The Bible says, go out to the field to work with his father, and one day, he, he falls sick while they're out in the field. He, he feels terrible, and he, he, he falls sick, and, and uh, he even falls down, and, and one of the servants comes and picks him up, and he goes to his father and says, what should I do? And his father, like every good father, says, take him to his mother. 
right? Like, like his, mom, his mom will heal him, you know, like she, she's going to take care of it, right? The, the good dads that we are. Remember, Father's Day's coming up too. <laughs> he says, uh, he says take, him, take him to his mother. So he does. Brings him to his mother. They bring him in the house and he dies. Now talk about giving a promise and then ripping it out of your hands. Talk about bringing up your hopes and then just snatching it right out from under you. Now, she could have just wept. She could have just mourned. She could have just said, well, it is what it is and it's done. But she, she, she went upstairs to the room, not to his room, but to the room that she had built for the preacher. She put him on the bed, went back downstairs, told her husband, she said, get me a ride. A donkey. Not a Cadillac. Get me a ride. I got to go see the preacher. He's like, why? Like, it's, it's not the perfect time. Like, you're not supposed to go at this time, blah, blah, blah. There's so much stuff. She's like, I need a ride. Just get me a ride, and I'm going to get there. You can stay here if you want, but I'm going. So she goes, and she finds Elisha. And before she could ever run up, his assistant, Gehazi, comes running up. And he's like, what do you need? And, and, and she's like, nope, I don't want to deal with you. I'm not, you're not the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for the preacher. I'm looking for Chad King. Not David Yanis. <laughs> Just kidding. We do love Pastor King, though. He, he's in uh, Sunnyvale preaching tonight, and we love him. And, and we know he's a busy, busy man, but we, we praise God for him being able to preach all over and just everything he does. And uh, so, so she, says, she says, I told you not to lie to me. I told you when you asked me if I needed anything, I said no. I was honest. I was clear. I said no. This was your idea to give me a son, not mine. Now he's dead. So he tells Gehazi, he's like, go, go deal with this. She's like, nope. I want you to come. Gehazi goes. He runs before him, takes his, his uh, Elisha's staff, puts it on the boy, nothing. Elisha's like, oh, man, he's like, he's like sweating bricks by this time. Like, this woman is going to hurt me. Praise a prayer. Nothing. So finally he goes back and he performs this kind of weird ritual that I pray to God that nobody does these days. And he kind of lays on top of the boy and, and all this stuff. And, and eventually the boy comes back to life. But there's this, there's this principle about, about promise. And there's this principle about what life should look like. And then looking at it and saying, man, I'm just not there. And there's this gap, and it's that gap so many times that is filled sometimes with anger and with fear and with shame and with guilt, things that paralyze us, things that entangle us, things that strangle us, things that wrap themselves around us. And we're like, where do I go from here? How do I get out of here? You know how they train elephants in the circus? I was reading up on this. It's real interesting. When they're babies, they tie a rope either around their neck or, or around their foot, and then they tie them to something really solid. The elephant will pull and pull and pull and pull until it realizes that it's not going to escape. Take it off. They'll bring it back again and do that same process over and over and over again. And as the elephant matures, all they have to do from then on is tie a rope around the elephant and not even tie it to anything. And the elephant will not leave its place. Because its mentality changes to think that I'm stuck here. 
and there is no getting out of it. I have tried and I have tried and I have tried and it doesn't even have to be staked down to anything or tied on to anything. You can go to a circus and walk by an elephant and just have a rope around its neck and nothing, not attached to anything and it will not move from that place. And so many times, so many times we find ourselves in a situation where God has already liberated us. But because we feel like there's this rope tied around us, we will not move from that place. Right? It's, in fact, there's a, there's a really good illustration of that in the Bible of Israel and Moses. He's like, go. I'm opening it for you. I'm letting you guys go. They're like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't. 430 years of slavery, they had that mindset of an elephant. Where will we go for? Where, what are we going to do? This is all we know. Maybe we should go back. Even when they go out, like, maybe we should go back. They at least gave us food. There's this mindset being entangled. And the question comes back, what, what are you looking at? What is your focus? Is it the rope that you think that's tied around your neck? Or is it Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Is it the one who is, has already liberated you? He's not liberating you. He's not going to liberate you. He's already liberated you. Yes. He's already done it. We don't have to wait for him to do it again. Right? Sometimes we're just waiting for this magical moment. Like, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to lift my hands. And the, the, the roof is going to bust open. And the spirit of God is going to descend. There's going to be like this being like in Star Trek. And I'm just going to see this light. And, and I'm going to be free. It's like, no, no, no. The, we, we have the cross. We have this event that took place. 2,000 years ago, what, what are we still waiting for? Because he's already done it. You don't have to wait for him to do it. He already has done it. He doesn't need to be crucified all over again. Jesus has set you free. It's a matter of lifting your eyes and putting your faith in him and your trust and your focus on him. So we find ourselves stuck. And you know, the, the slow, terrible death of quicksand begins with just getting stuck. But it, it goes further. The, the more you're stuck, the more you feel like you're sinking and you're going backwards instead of going forwards. And, and, and you're just, before it was just your ankles and now you're up to your knees and then you're up to your thighs and then you're up to your chest and then it's constricting and you can no longer breathe. And I love, I love the, the analogy that pastor, pastor uses. He says, Nobody, nobody can steer a car that's in park. The car has to be moving for you to be able to move that steering wheel. Even if it's moving at a slow pace, it has to be moving in order to steer the car. And we're so afraid to move because we don't know what direction to go in. And you don't always need to know what direction to go in. You just got to start moving. The direction is the direction of Jesus. Wherever he's telling you to go. He told Abraham, he said, get up and go. He told his son, he, he, told, he told him to go sacrifice his son, which is kind of a you know, weird story. Especially considering his son's a lot older than people think he was. He was like 20 years old. And he says, go and just take him to the Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah has a lot of peaks and mountains and all this stuff. He's like, which one? He's like, just go. I'll, I'll tell you when you get there. Just go. 
So I was thinking about this and I was just wondering, man, what am I focused on? Am I, am I so worried about the things that have not come to pass that I refuse to take a step into my future? Am I so worried about just what isn't right that I can't see what is right? You know, there's this, there's this struggle that, 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 that I read about in Romans. Uh, it's really 6, 7, 8, chapter 6, 7, 8, and it's Paul's struggle. And I love his struggle because it's so real. And he says, kind of I'm paraphrasing, he says, the things that I want to do, I do not do. But I do the things that I don't want to do. What I hate, I find myself doing. And what I really want to do, I just, I just can't seem to do it. And I thought to myself, like, man, okay, like he probably wrote that when he was like, you know, he first converted and stuff. He had been serving God for 20 years when he wrote that. 20 years he was a follower of Jesus he wrote one-third of the New Testament. He established most of what we know as the New Testament church. 20 years. And he wrote that struggle. I'm like, man, if he wrote that, if he's dealing with that, he's the Apostle Paul. And he finds himself stuck in this conundrum, stuck in this, in this struggle of, man, I want to do it, but I can't. And what I don't want to, that's what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm fighting myself back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then he goes on and he, he keeps writing. And then he, 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 there's more and then he jumps into chapter 8 and he, he goes through all his struggles of things he's dealt with. I've been poor, I've been naked, I've been stoned, I've been hungry, I've been all this stuff. And at the very, very end of chapter 8, he says, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. So what is it? What, what, is, what is the answer to me getting unstuck? How, how, how can I just at least just take a step? Because you don't have to leap out. It's just a step. You don't got to take off just running and, I mean, you're going to be there. It's just a step. How do I get out of this? Well, what are you focused on? What have you been looking at all this time? What are you concentrating on? Because your focus will determine your movement. Philippians 3.13, I love this. Again, Paul. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And I, I don't have it all together, is what he's saying. I don't have it all together. You might think I do, but I do not have it all together. Again, 20 years, and he's still struggling with that. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, or one thing I know for sure, I may be unsure of a lot of things because my life is not perfect, and your life will never be perfect. And we're waiting for that perfection. Like Pastor said on Sunday, we're waiting for that moment where everything is good. And it's just not reality. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all together. But one thing I do know is forgetting or just leaving behind what is in the past. Leaving behind those things that did not go right. 
leaving behind all that negativity, leaving behind the lack of and, and that empty space and the voids and all that stuff. One thing I know is leaving and forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. How do you do that? How is it that Paul could be in a prison writing all these things? How is it that he can be in, in, in persecution in the midst of persecution and writing, I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know the context of that scripture is persecution. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How are you in the middle of all that and you're still moving forward? Well, just ask Paul, what were you looking at the entire time? What were your eyes on? Jesus. Jesus? I know that's a simple answer and maybe even a cliche answer. But see, Jesus doesn't have the answer. He, he is the answer. And the moment I say, you know what? It's not all good. You know, it's funny. In that story of the Shunammite woman, when she comes to, to Elisha and, and, and Gehazi, they're like, how are you? And she's like, in the, in the King James, she's like, it is well. It is well with my, my husband. It is well with blah, 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 blah. Anyways, if you translate it, kind of paraphrase to what it is now, she's like, I'm going to be all right. I'm not all right right now, but I'm going to be all right. Right? Right? Imagine if we were like honest and you walk into church and, you know, because somebody says, hey, how are you doing? You're like, I'm good. I'm good. What if we were like, I'm not good right now, but, but I'm going to be all right. Don't you worry about it. God got me. He, got, got, he has my back. I'm going to be all right. So maybe we're like Paul and we don't have it all figured out. And maybe we don't have it all together. And maybe not everything is as perfect as we think as it should be. But one thing I do know is that if I stay where I'm at and I do not continue forward, I will become stuck. And even when Christ has liberated me, I will feel like if I am still stuck. So I need to keep moving forward. I need to keep straining ahead towards what Christ has called me to do. I need to keep going. I need to keep moving. And it's not under my power and it's not under my ability, but by the grace and the power and the love of Jesus Christ within me. I can go from feeling tangled and wrapped and stuck to being unstuck. Not by me. But if I can lift my eyes to the one who started it. Because if he started it, he's going to finish it. I love there's a scripture, and I didn't give it to them, but it says all God's promises in him, in Jesus Christ, are yes and amen. Amen? All of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. Which means even if I don't have it yet, it is still a yes and it is still an amen. Even if I haven't seen it yet, it is still a yes and it is still an amen. Even if I haven't attained it yet, it is still a yes and it is still an amen. Let's stand to our feet. I believe with all of my heart that this is for somebody. That someone here, and I know I'm being vague, but somebody here has just been feeling stuck. Man, I, I, I want to move forward. 
I want to do right. I want to be better. I want to pray more. I want to dedicate myself more. I want to come to church. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father, a better mother, a better wife. I, I want to, but I have just felt so stuck because things have just not gone the way I imagined they would go. I just, I imagined that by now, it would be so different. I thought my kids would be would listen to me and I, I, I thought my marriage would, would be so much more stable and, and I thought I'd be in a higher position in my job. But we can stand around and focus on the negative all we want and we will never move from that place because of fear and shame and guilt and anger and frustration. And all that is designed just to hold you back from the promises that God has for your life. All it is designed to do is make you, keep you looking back at what you think are the glory days when your best days are still ahead of you. And he's saying, you know what? If you would just lift your eyes, I am standing right in front of you. What caused Peter to step off the boat and onto the water was looking at Jesus. Lord, if it really is you, tell me to come out. All right, come out. And I'm looking. Locks his eyes on Jesus and he starts walking. He says, the moment he began to look around and see all the other stuff, the waves and the wind, and that's when he stopped in his tracks and began to sink into the water. But I'm here to tell you that even if you're sinking, even if you feel sunk, the Bible says he cried out to Jesus. And in that moment, the Lord reached down and grabbed him. He didn't just hold him there. He pulled him up out of that water. You could feel stuck today. And maybe you do. But if you will lift your eyes to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, because he who has began a good work in you will complete it. And his promises in Jesus are yes and amen for your life. So I want to open this altar today. I want to pray with you. If you feel stuck, maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you're not stuck and you're just running full force right now. That's awesome. Would you pray for somebody who maybe does feel stuck? God is here tonight and if you would just cry out to him if you would just lift your eyes one more time and, and, and just stop looking at all the things that didn't work and that don't work just lift your eyes to Jesus and become unstuck tonight these altars are open tonight if you want to pray we want to pray with you for more information about who we are we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com God bless you